It's a wild conversation with zoologist Manita Prasad from... Oh, I've already slurred your name and we just started. Oh, man. He's been That's drinking. A, okay. No, I haven't. <laughs> he has with not. Manita Prasad from the Greater Vancouver Zoo. So, uh, before we start on this week's topic, which is winter prep, I uh, drove by the zoo yeah, a couple days ago now. And, mm-hmm. wow, that front entrance is looking... It's huge. It's huge. I know. We're so super excited about it. Uh, it's still a few months uh, away from being complete, but most of the work has moved inside now. So they're starting to really uh, set up the different air spaces inside. So I haven't had a chance to walk through it and see it yet, but I'm very excited to see how it's all coming oh, together. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah, it, looks it looks really, really great. good. What's, what's going to be inside of the entrance? So it's going to be our admissions. We're also going to have a, a staff room and office areas for all the admissions. Okay. Our gift shop is going to be upstairs. Oh, nice. Uh, we're going to have new washrooms for our guests. And for those who, who visit the, the zoo on a regular basis, definitely long overdue. So we're very excited about that. Uh, we're also going to have first aid and guest services, membership services, and uh, area where we will offer soft-serve ice cream. Oh, oh, okay. And I thought it couldn't get any better. <laughs> Let us know where the back door is for that. <laughs> we'll sneak in. <laughs> yeah, so super exciting. Yeah. That's very looks exciting. Great. Um, okay, so winter prep. That's what we're talking about this week. Uh, so we're looking at what animals do to prepare for winter. And one of the things that they do is migrate. The first thing that comes to mind for me is Canada geese. Mm-hmm. They get out of town. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we we often see a lot of animals starting to prepare. Uh, But before we get into that, like, can you just brainstorm some things that humans do to prepare for winter? Because we too start to to alter our behaviors when the weather starts uh, getting cooler. So what are some things that you guys do to prepare for winter? Well, we make sure that our our furnace is serviced and cleaned Mm -hmm. so we can have that on. That's a good reminder. Um, I switch from, like, Hefeweizens to, to porters and stouts. <laughs> Me too. He prepares for a long winter nap. <laughs> um, we bring out the, the winter you know, clothes. warmer clothes out of the yep. closet. Yeah, yep. yeah. And there are some people who will, like, collect firewood that need wood yes. mm-hmm. stoves or just for fires. And, and in some parts of Canada, we're switching to winter tires and, right. you know, cleaning our gutters. Uh, of all the leaves from the fall, that sort of thing. So, right. so it's it's seasonal cues that help us start to to think about when we start needing to prepare, right? Right, right. Yeah. So just like us, animals too go through changes in the fall to prepare for winter, and migration is one of them. Uh, so animals do migrate for a variety of reasons, and it is a behavioral adaptation that helps animals survive primarily to find food and to find favorable weather conditions. Okay. Yeah, just like you mentioned, uh, the Canada geese do tend to migrate south. Is it just birds that migrate or is there other animals? Because today, the other day we were talking about um, a bear cub that was trying to cross the border between Alaska and BC and it was on the hunt for food. It was trying to cross in from Canada to the US. Um, But it was looking for natural food sources because it was struggling to find some and they had been tracking it for a while. So do bears migrate or mammals migrate like that? Yeah, we see migrations in all different kinds of species. Uh, Fish will migrate, insects will migrate, uh, small mammals. Yeah, there are a wide variety of species that will migrate. 
Is that why the murder hornet migrated up to uh, Abbotsford? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I think our our weather conditions are are too favorable for this hornet. Yeah, the one thing that blows my mind is how, particularly birds, they can fly like I don't know, like hundreds of kilometers, and they they find their way back, I, like you know, without Google Maps. I don't I don't know how they do that. Yeah, and, and you know what? I don't think it is a hundred percent understood. But we do think that a lot of species will use landmarks like rivers and streams to help them navigate. Uh, they will also navigate um, as the old astronomers did uh, and uh, travelers did using the sun and the stars. Wow. Uh, and, and there is a, some people who believe that they use sense of smell or mm-hmm. even the Earth's magnetic field to help navigate. I don't understand that one, but it would be really interesting to research a bit more. Birds are are weird. I think we don't know, Mm -hmm. you know, everything about the bird. No, they're just dinosaurs. (laughs) Let's face it. So animals also fatten up. Like Um, people. Yes. During the winter. (laughs) But they do it on purpose. (laughs) They do it on purpose, and they tend to lose their weight a lot easier than we do. Yeah. So that's obvious why they do that. (laughs) Yeah, so they're using the fall months to increase fat stores to ensure that they have extra insulation for the winter months. Um, and I think we're we're aware that animals like squirrels mm. uh, will often hide certain food items to save for, for throughout the winter when food sources are a bit scarce. This brings me to my question because of my squirrel situation in my yard that I have contributed to. Um, I see them because we give them peanuts and mm-hmm. I see them go around the yard and they dig, 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 and they bury the peanut. And then they, it's so cute to watch them just t- put all the dirt back over to the hole that they, but I find them, they have no problem sniffing around the yard and finding the peanuts that they've buried or another one's buried. Is that normal for them to do? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what they should be doing. Oh, good. Uh, they hide food around in different places so that, you know, if another squirrel were to come along and find their stash, they still have, like, a reserve stash available for them. So, yeah, a lot of animals will do this. At the zoo, we see this behavior in our red fox all the time. Even though they have a steady supply of food throughout the winter, they're still constantly bearing a portion of their diet on a daily basis. Mm. I think that uh, whoever owns our house next is going to have a peanut um farm in their front yard because that's how many are in the front yard <laughs> that's awesome um they also grow uh, a winter coat and change color I, I wasn't aware of that yeah so many animals do so we know that a lot of animals will grow warm winter coats that help protect them from the elements uh some will also grow more fur around their feet to help them walk in the snow so like uh, the canadian lynx and wolves um, they do have uh, changes in their bodies and their behaviors that will help them stay active through the winter. So not all animals hibernate, so have different adaptations to help them survive the harsher weathers. Uh, animals like weasels and snowshoe hares even change color. So the winter coats are white to help them camouflage mm-hmm. in the snow, but the, the white hairs actually have greater insulating abilities than the pigmented fur. So that's another reason for the, the change in color. Oh. Okay. I've heard of, uh, you know, animals that are white um, being able to blend into the snow, like, you know, the snow, uh, snowy, um, what is it Lynx? called? Fox? Is there a fox? 
Or I'm thinking of a rabbit, maybe. Yes. That changes from a gray to to white. Yes. Yeah. Um, And we do also have, well, this behavior is not only um, limited to mammals. So we do have birds like the ptarmigan in Canada. And they'll actually grow long white feathers for the winter months that even stretch down their legs to their feet. And that helps them navigate uh, the snow a little bit easier. Like some cozy socks. Yeah. <laughs> Let, let's talk about breeding behaviors because does this change in the winter? Because typically spring is when most animals breed. Yeah. So it really depends on the species. So uh, animals that mate during the fall do this to ensure that their offspring are born during the abundance of the spring. Uh, so just to give you some example of different uh, breeding behaviors around the zoo, we have a lot of males in rut right now, so like deer, elk, and caribou, right? So they've spent all year growing their antlers, uh, and now their antlers are big and strong. The velvet has shed. The males are, are sparring. Um, so basically what they use the antlers for is to fight for, for females to breed with. Uh, so even though, like our bachelor elk that we have at the zoo don't have any females in their enclosure to breed with, they still go through these breeding behaviors. And it's really cute because one of our males will actually pick up huge trees and, like, toss them around like they're a, like it's a baton in his antlers, like it's nothing. So <laughs> they still go through the motions even though they're not, uh, not uh, going to have the opportunity to mate. Oh, men. <laughs> Still showing off <laughs> Here for we no go one. again. <laughs> um, yeah, so there are animals that mate uh, during a specific time of year. So the kind of the general rule of thumb is the larger animals with longer gestation periods, and that's just the, the time spent um, raising young, so being pregnant basically, um, tend to give birth in the spring, where smaller animals with smaller uh, gestation periods will actually breed in the spring and summer and still uh, have their offspring later on in in the summer. Mm. Okay. And that is part one of a wild conversation. Man, that went fast. It did. It did go fast. Uh, More winter prep stuff and a little bit of trivia coming up in part two, which is after this. It's a wild conversation with Manita Prasad, zoologist at the Greater Vancouver Zoo. Part two next on Country 107.1. Experience the wonders of nature at the Greater Vancouver Zoo. Come explore a beautiful open-air park with over 120 acres. Connect with nature and support local conservation efforts. Get closer at the Greater Vancouver Zoo. Visit gvzoo.com. Welcome back to part two of A Wild Conversation with Manita Prasad, a zoologist from the Greater Vancouver Zoo. And this week we're talking all about winter prep and all the different things that animals do to get ready for the winter, much like... We do. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about shelter? How do animals seek shelter when it comes to winter? So a lot of animals that don't migrate or hibernate need to seek shelter. And it's often in, you know, the elements, trees, logs, rocks, or even underground. Um, some insects and fish will stay active during the, the winter, so don't need to seek shelter. But that's why uh, we see like even things like spiders that we talked about are starting to move inside because they're just doing their winter prep to, to make sure they're, they're safe over the cooler months. Well, I'm going to start charging the, 
the spider in our house for our furnace bill. <laughs> <laughs> and hibernation is something that's that's always interested it me. Uh, just how they, I mean, do bears like? I mean, oh, bears hibernate. Do they like actually sleep for months and months and months, or do they? Do they get up? Do they like? Do what they... if they have to pee? Because yeah. <laughs> that's a long time to sleep without peeing. Yeah, for sure. So, okay, so many an- animals will spend the winter months in some form of hibernation, but there are different forms of hibernation. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of why I've broken it down for us today. So we'll talk about true hibernators versus not true hibernators. And a lot of people think that bears are true hibernators when, in fact, they actually are not. Okay. Okay. So what does that mean? So I'll, I'll break it down. So let's let's talk about hibernation. So um, hibernation is characterized by lower body temperature, a reduced breathing rate, reduced heart rate, and a reduced metabolic rate. So the body has basically slowed down to a reduced state of activity to conserve energy during the, the cooler months because we know there is not food available and that's the primary energy source. Okay. The true hibernator will not wake up at all, not for loud noises, not if they're moved, or when they're touched. They are out cold. Oh, wow. So some examples of uh, true hibernators are bats um, and groundhogs. Right. So so just to kind of give you the extreme of, uh, of, of the changes in their bodies, the heart rate for a groundhog goes from 80 beats per minute when it's active to 5 beats per minute when it's hibernating. Wow. Yeah. Its body temperature drops from 37 degrees Celsius to only 3 degrees Celsius. Holy smokes. Yeah, and for those of you who are familiar with rodents, uh, because the groundhog is part of the rodent family, their their teeth never stop growing, so they constantly need to gnaw on things to help file those teeth down. Mm-hmm. But during the period where they're hibernating, as another method of conserving energy, their teeth will actually stop growing. Huh. Weird. Yeah. Weird how but, they're just like uh, you know wired wired for that. So yeah. that's a tr- true hibernator. Bears are not true hibernators. They're they're pretenders. Are they fake news hibernators? <laughs> well, they're more of a brew, well, not a brewmater, but they go into period of, of torpor. So I'll, I'll I'll kind of explain this. So, okay. So with with bears, like okay, so a groundhog will wake up to nibble and go to the bathroom, but that's it's, it's a very small period, and then they're out cold again. Okay. Whereas bears in their den will still be active. Um, you know, this is when females will actually birth during during the, the winter months in their dens. So they still have to be able to wake up and nurse their offspring. Uh, and obviously the babies are going to be active, so that will be disturbing mom. She'll need to readjust. She'll need to go to the bathroom. She will, uh, for short periods when it is a little bit warmer, wake up and go forage for food so she can make sure that she has enough energy to sustain her offspring. So even though the bears are tucked away, they still are a bit more active than what true hibernators will be. Oh, that's good to know because, yeah, I always thought that they were fully out cold for the Mm -hmm. entire winter. But, you know, having, again, lived in Squamish and Whistler, we were seeing more bears in the wintertime because it was so mild and it was still warm for them. They're still looking for food. Right. 
Yeah, exactly. And and the, that's true. It really depends on how harsh our winter season is mm-hmm. as to how long animals will hibernate. Okay, and then there's brumate. Brumate, yeah. So brumation is a hibernation-like state um, that cold-blooded animals enter. So they do stir occasionally to drink water, but will go several months without food. Okay. Um, and brumation is directly induced by low temperature. Okay. Uh, so it's directly linked to, to temperature. So we see uh, behavior like brumation more so in reptiles and amphibians. Right, cold-blooded. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. So they will actually, like some of these guys, like uh, Western Painted Turtle, which is a turtle that we work with uh, in conservation programming at the zoo. Well, the hatchlings in the wild, some of them, if they don't, uh, will actually overwinter underground and almost freeze completely solid in like a frozen like state will actually have ice crystals forming on their body yeah and the reason why they can survive uh this freezing process is that their vital organs don't actually freeze due to higher concentrations of glucose in in their organs so their body systems are basically just keeping the vital organs alive long enough for them to be able to make it through this cold snap wow Wow. All right, let's get to some trivia. Okay. Let's, so is this going to be skill testing trivia, or are you just going to tell us something? <laughs> well, it's, I don't think this trivia is something um, that you would probably know off the top of your head, but okay. there's some really cool facts in here. We may surprise you, Manita. Yeah. <laughs> let's give it a go. So which animal do you think has the longest migration? Who travels the farthest? Now, I think you, you won't get the specific species, but let's just break it down. Is it a mammal? Is it a reptile? Is it a bird? Is it an insect? I what think it's you... insect butterflies. Yeah, that's that's a really good guess, but it's not actually a butterfly. <laughs> it is the Arctic tern, which is a bird. Okay. And it literally flies from the Arctic uh, and Greenland down to Antarctica. Wow. So, Every year, it spans the entire globe, which is about 71,000 kilometers. So over an Arctic tern's 30-year lifespan, they would have traveled over 2.4 million kilometers. So they just go back and forth. Do they stop anywhere? Can they just go? No, they they will have to stop. Yeah. Yeah. They need to stop, rest, refuel, that sort of thing. Right. Okay, yeah. zero okay, for next. one. Next. Okay, so <laughs> let's go to butterflies. Okay. Uh, so an interesting fact about them is that their migration, the monarch butterfly specifically, is actually longer than its lifespan. <laughs> so that seems problematic. <laughs> it does seem problematic. So how long do you think an adult butterfly's life, a monarch butterfly's lifespan is? Two weeks. <laughs> Oh, very good guess. It is actually only about two to six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) a monarch butterfly will travel 3,100 kilometers from Canada to Mexico. Um, So when they're migrating back, they arrive in Canada in around June. And then in September, they start to migrate uh, to Mexico. Yeah. And it takes them two to three generations to actually reach their destination. Isn't there something called the great butterfly migration? Or is that the moth migration? 
They well, no, I, it, it is the, the monarch butterfly. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Okay. I uh, st- highly recommend a, a novel from by a Barbara Kingsolver called Flight Behavior, which is about it's it's not about one of the it's about a lot of things, but the the monarch butterfly and the migration is paramount in in, in the narrative in this novel. It's just it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. So, which mammal do you think has the longest migration? Oh. Uh... I want to say a turtle. No, a turtle's not. That's a reptile. <laughs> yes. no, that's a I failed you, Manita. <laughs> no, it actually is um, a, a, a sea animal, so so you're, you're close. I whale, some sort of whale. whale. Stick to land animals. But no, it is actually the humpback ma- whale. Right. Humpback whale. <laughs> humpback whale. <laughs> <laughs> that's something else. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it actually migrates from the tropics uh, farther north to, to feeding grounds. Um, females that are pregnant and and moms are actually the first to to migrate north. So they're they're trying to protect their offspring. So we'll head out uh, farther north first before the males do. So it's a really interesting behavior. Man. Well, I think you you got three out of three, Chris. Pretty yeah. good. Well. <laughs> So I'm sure you've got more, but we're out of time. Can we can we do maybe some more trivia like in another episode? Yeah, for sure. Okay, because uh, yeah, that how did I like it go it. by so fast? Always goes yeah. by so fast. Because it was a good one, right? Yeah. it was a good one. Because yeah. I mean, some of the stuff just blows my mind, yeah, and I really get does. caught in listening to uh, all the facts. Just uh, just this need to survive is just uh, it's to me it's it's absolutely fascinating. As you are every week, Minidia. Manita. So, oh, no, I screwed up your name twice now. <laughs> this is good. We filled you three times today. Uh, thanks for this. Have a great weekend. Thanks. You too, guys. Take care. This has been a wild conversation with Manita Prasad from the Greater Vancouver Zoo. And-